Good morning out there. Uh, welcome to the Sustainability Sessions. I am your host, Rebecca Sayre. Uh, today, I am pleased to be joined uh, by our guest, Matthew Hepner, who is the Executive Director of the Certified Electrical Workers of Washington. Uh, I'm coming to you today from uh, beautiful Anacortes, where my folks live. Just want to encourage everybody out there to take care of your family. You never, you never know what's going to happen. I'm uh, taking care of my father today. So uh, just uh, as we're all out there, just to make sure we look out for each other. Matthew is coming to us from Wenatchee. And today we're going to be talking about the emerging uh, electric power grid. And the context of that is so poignant for you, Matthew, because you were in the town of East Wenatchee that's, that's burning right now. So good morning. And also, how are you? How are you holding up? Good morning. Good morning. Um, no, uh, yeah, the fires are, you know, a yearly occurrence now. Um, you know, we have to give a huge shout out to our fire departments and our DNR uh, wildland firefighters, uh, you know, who are constantly working and, you know, keeping us safe and trying to and, keep the smoke down to a, a bare minimum. But uh, we get lucky with some of the wind today blowing the, the smoke out of the valley. So, well, thank goodness for that. That's just, it's a crazy time. Um, I'm just glad that you can join us. Uh, Matthew and I know each other from years back working on some um, joint efforts uh, between, you know, environments and, um, oh goodness, I'm just saying that my, my Zoom connection is getting funny. So we're going to talk about that while I fix this. Um, and we worked on toxic issues. Um, and I just as I'm going to go fix my Zoom link, um, why don't you tell us about what you're working on now and what you've been working on with the state legislature regarding mm -hmm. clean energy? So, um, you know, just for, for clarification, so with the Certified Electrical Workers of Washington, I represent the International Brotherhood of Electrical, Un of Electrical Workers, which is the Electrical Workers Union. So we represented about 11,000 workers statewide and you know we've been you know involved in most of the major environmental policies that have passed uh for the last few years uh including uh CETA, the clean energy transformation act so that's you know i think the most clear-cut bill so far of uh labor being good lab good policy good environmental policy and good labor policy uh, when we can combine both, and that's what we were able to do with the CETA Transformation Act. So we were also involved with the Low Carbon Fuel Standard, uh, as well as the CCA, the Climate Commitment Act. Uh, great policies that will lead to a cleaner environment and uh, family wage job all across Washington State. Excellent. Um, thank you, Matthew. Um, and we're back. And tell us if you can, I mean, Washington really is at the cutting edge of some of uh, the climate work that's being done and it's having some ripple effects with what's happening nationally, which is pretty exciting. Yes. Um, so and I think a lot of that stems from the uh, CETA or the Clean Energy Transformation Act. Um, the reason that bill was so pivotal um, and it's, it's rippling kind of throughout the nation right now, uh, what the Clean Energy Transformation Act does is 
all the energy that's going on to the grid. It says by the year 2045, 2050-ish, all resources so need to be carbon free, um, whether it be from wind or solar, uh, pump storage. You know, there's uh, hydro or hy hydrogen. Uh, hydroelectric is permissible. It's considered a non-emitting resource, uh, which is kind of a different a different bucket, as well as nuclear energy also being in that different bucket. Um, but the really kind of groundbreaking piece that we did with that, uh, that's being, that's rippling is the labor standards that we were able to put on to that project. Uh, recently in 2019, there was a worker killed, uh, on a wind project in Skookumchuk. Uh, it was a trench collapse. It was preventable and it never should have happened. Oh my. Um, so that's the thing about labor law. Labor law is written in blood. So that's why it's important to get these labor standards there. So in the CETA Energy Transformation Act, what we were able to do was with tax incentives, because we want those jobs to come to Washington. I mean, that's one of the, the big points. We need that. We want those jobs here. Mm -hmm. um, and we want those clean energy, you know, industry jobs here. So we were able to tie tax incentives to encourage the development of those projects here in Washington State with labor standards. So at a to get a hundred percent of the tax rebate for the developers, they would develop, they would build a project under something called a project labor agreement or, mm -hmm. a, or a community workforce agreement, which means they're going to be hiring locally. Uh, they'll be hiring, you know, skilled, uh, certified, you know, workers for those projects. So that's at that hundred percent at 75%, you know, if, if they're not able to, you know, get a, a PLA or CWA agreed upon, uh, they would, utilize something called prevailing wage, uh, right. apprenticeship utilization, which basically means if you have a job of 100 workers, 15% of those workers will be apprentices. Okay. And really that, that apprenticeship model is really vital right now. We need more electricians. We need more plumbers, pipe fitters, uh, all the trades. Uh, you know, we are facing a demographic cliff. Uh, one of the, I mean, I think one of the things our society has failed to do you know, over the last few generations has really put an emphasis um, on construction, on the trades. You know, there seems to be this idea that, you know, that working with your hands is not as good as, you right. know, working with your mind. Um, and, and, and if I can, we spoke the other day and I just thought it was really interesting, kind of just where you were grounded in this, this concept of apprenticeship, because it, you sort of gave this beautiful, almost lyrical, you know, historical context and i was thinking wow this if it was articulated in this manner i wonder how it would change people's perspectives and you were just saying you know this is a, a the apprenticeship model is thousands of years old can you speak to yeah. that a bit? yeah the apprenticeship model i think you know I've, I've been through the apprenticeship myself um and you know it's a five-year program so it's it's over eight thousand hours i mean it's a it's a it's a long journey uh, and that model really dates back to uh, medieval Europe and the, uh, the building of the Gothic cathedrals throughout Europe, you know, is that, that journeyman uh, apprenticeship model where you would have, you know, you know, a master of, the, of a trade and an apprentice. So it's that one-to-one -one ratio where you are learning directly, you know, hands-on from a person who has you know, thousands upon thousands of hours, you know, and they're passing down those skills, you know, 
visually and verbally, you know, they're right there over your shoulder watching what you're doing, you know, correcting you, you know, guiding you, teaching you daily. Um, and in today, the classroom is the work is one of the things you were saying right. the other day. Exactly. So in order to, to get those hours, you have to have those jobs. So yeah, yeah I mean, and it's an age, really an age old process and it's, and it works and it's continued to work. Um, and we want to see, you know, that, I mean, it's, it's archaic almost really, uh, but it's in an amazing, you know, great hands-on way of mm -hmm. really learning. And the term journey person comes from once you were, you know, considered a master and you had your journeyman, you would go from job to job, you know, you would oh, go from, from, you know, this cathedral to this castle to this, you know, whatever the next project was going on. And we still see that today within the IBW and the trades, uh, you know, there's oh, kind of a subclass, well, not a subclass, I wouldn't say sub, but there's a class where they do, they travel the country working, mm -hmm. you know, jobs, uh, and they go from job to job to job. And that's how all of our big projects get done uh, throughout the nation to this day. That's great. And you were actually, when we were talking the other day, you were saying this is, is an, even an international perk. Um, one question that I have, and this is one that just was also brought up to me, two questions that were brought up to me about this I want to speak to a little bit. I know that I've heard from some folks in solar, they would like to be unionized, but they're finding it challenging. So FYI, maybe that's something we can even talk about mm -hmm. offline. Because um, I know I know a few solar companies, because being in real estate, and since we do green real estate, we really work with a lot of solar installers. and. There's, they're just that's 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 something that's wrinkly that needs to be ironed out. Wanting to have a better connection with labor, with with solar, and then also, if you have any thoughts on sort of, well, actually, let's address that question first. But do you know? Yeah. So no, I mean we do that, we definitely yeah. have some contractors that do specialize in, um, in solar. Uh, in Seattle, we have Artisan Electric. I'd love to give them a shout out. Uh, you know, they're a great signatory IBEW, you know, contractor. So, I mean, they're that wage is collectively bargained. Um, and, you know, they're a very successful outfit uh, working in the Puget Sound area. So cool. they do, do amazing work. Awesome. So, and they've actually been involved in some of the policies uh, that we've been writing in regards to solar, as well as some of the larger clean energy uh, projects that we have. And then when also when we were talking the other day, I mean, let's let's talk about for the folks out there, and we, we do have to go to break in a few minutes, so we can maybe hit this in in two parts. But when we talk about this power grid, right? Like, because this is this, and, and I'm so passionate about the need to create and share, and that's what this beautiful um, radio show that I have the opportunity to do provides: share positive narratives of this better future that is possible. I think we have a lot of scary narratives out there. We need some good ones. Now, changing this power grid and what is possible, not only with clean and healthy, you know, clean environment, healthy jobs, but it's a re-envisioning how we do things, literally happening right now. Mm -hmm. So we, wind, solar, storage, we haven't talked about, could you kind of paint a picture of what the grid can look like? Yeah, um, you know, I, I think, so one of the things we always need to take into consideration, especially with how the grid is set up today, is base load power. So we need to have power. So when we talk about base load power, uh, how we consider base load power, and this is, you know, it's how we calculate everything, mm -hmm. is think of 
Thanksgiving Day at 2 p.m. The heater is on, the oven is on, the stove <laughs> is on, the blender is on. You know, so there every house is using everybody's energy. there in every room. Exactly. Yeah. So everybody is using a lot of energy all at the same time. So you have to be able to meet that demand to keep the electricity, the electrons moving into each house. So that is one of the big pieces that we're always trying to calculate on. Some of the challenges that some of the renewable energies, especially wind and solar face, is how do you address that 24 hour situation? So solar, you know, I mean, you, at night, that's a problem. Uh, you know, when the wind stops blowing, that's a problem. And being able to get that energy onto the grid in usable amounts uh, is paramount. So in, in order to really make that work, we need energy storage. Mm -hmm. So energy storage comes in a few different ways. And I think the industry is really looking at it seriously now and starting to invest in that. Uh, and we would say that because we've there's at least three energy storage projects that are being considered right now in Washington. Uh, you know, the biggest one would be Goldendale. Um, mm -hmm. It's, you know, a huge facility. It's going to be making 1,200 megawatts for up to 12 hours. And can you explain, I mean, I get it, but I, but I, and I think our listeners out there would like to understand when you're storing energy, like what does that look like? So what is that? this? It's basically, think of a kinetic battery. Okay. Mm -hmm. So basically we're going to be, when the power is cheap, so the power the power prices fluctuate throughout the day with demand. So when things, so like at 2 a.m., 3 a.m. in the morning, when, you know, the oven's not on, the stove's not on, the AC's not on, and, you know, power is cheaper, that's when we turn that electricity to a pump, and we actually pump that water up the hill. So we move all that water up and down over and over again. So that water is recycled. It's called a closed-loop system. So it's not coming in and out of the river. It's just up and down the hill, up and down the hill over and over again. So we pump that water up the hill when the power is cheap. Uh, when the demand is high, you pull the pin, the water comes down the hill, spins the turbine, creates electricity, and onto the grid. And then we do that over and over and over and over again. So, cool. and that's how we are going to be able to incorporate the solar and the wind, is it's it's a bottleneck by storage. Mm -hmm. So there's, there's also batteries, uh, but I think with the demand on uh, lithium for vehicles, cell phones, laptops, uh, it's probably going to be more economical to find other storage means. Mm -hmm. uh, there's a couple other ideas floating around out there. There's braille storage, uh, which is basically, think of a roller coaster that rolls down a hill uh, mm -hmm. using regenerative braking. Um, that one's being flirted with, but we'll see how uh, those experimental projects come out. See, that's, that's what I think is so fascinating is that we're literally I mean, and, and again, plugging, you know, folks going into the trades, you're at the, you're, you're at a cutting edge point here. It is not an old school. I mean, it's a, it's an, it's an, it's an agent process that you're part of, mm -hmm. but you're literally at the cutting edge of creating the new ways that we are going to live. Um, cause the impacts of the, of climate change and, and the ways that we have been living are simply we're, they're hitting us right now. You were also saying, I just want to put the full context of what's happening in your part of the world. Not only are there fires, but you were telling me that the cherry crop, you know, just from the heat wave. Yeah. We had the other day. So, um, yeah, correct. I'm also a city councilman in East Wenatchee. Um, and you know, with this heat, with those, with that heat wave, I mean, we lost up to 30% of that cherry crop 
That's billions of dollars we just lost in revenue for the state, for rural communities. Mm -hmm. uh, that heat is having, you know, when once you hit that, you know, over 110, I mean, you're having big problems. And we had, you know, three or four days of well over 115 degree heat. Crazy. My, my boyfriend was at, at, in Moses Lake working that week, and he was saying that the marmots were hanging out by the edge of the lake, and he literally was throwing ice cubes to them, and they were grabbing the ice cubes and just holding them to their chests. Yep. I mean, they're just hot. It was. So, yeah, I mean, everything's, yeah, it's, I haven't seen a heat wave this bad since I used to live in Arizona. I was state when I was in the Marine Corps. I was stationed in Yuma, Arizona, mm -hmm. and the heat's comparable. Yeah, I mean, it's it in the Pacific Northwest. It's not been like this, I believe, in recorded history. So it's it's here, and now is the time. But the good thing is that we can. You're this. This is the cutting edge that is making the difference, and I think that that is really exciting. We're about to get a break here, so let's, when we come back, I want to hear about more of these really cool technologies that are emerging and what we're doing here in Washington State, because it's, we're, we're really, this is sort of the classroom right here. Okay. So we're going to get a break. Um, my guest today is Matthew Hepner, and Matthew, just so they don't have a rent, let me tell me your title again. Executive Director of the Certified Electrical Workers of Washington. Lift your spirits with me, Dina Marie, on Whidbey Island. I'll be a tour guide for your spirit and a travel agent for your soul. Retreats include a healing session for your body, your mind, and your spirit. You'll receive a Reiki session plus a chakra reading, experience a labyrinth in the woods, take a walk on the beach, and enjoy downtown Langley with me. Retreats are customized for you or a group of friends. You can visit dina-marie.com to connect with me today. Island time is waiting for you. Are your medical expenses increasing, but your health is not improving? True Health offers unique services where Kasara empowers clients with intuition, education, and proven resources. Better choices can be made when information is available. Now's the time to visit truehealth.com. That's T-R-U health.com. And schedule your appointment to achieve your health goals. Your body will thank you. Hey there. Uh, hi? It's your neighbor. The orca whale. My neighbor's an orca? Been living here for years. Anywho, I know your basement's been flooding. And these pollutants are making me sneeze. So do you know about rain gardens? Orcas can talk? Did you know rain gardens and cisterns can clean and manage rain runoff? You may be eligible for money back from the city or county. My orca neighbor wants me to get a rain garden. Not just me. Your neighbor salmon. Hello. Seals. Shellfish. The whole gang. Visit rainchangers.org today. Tune in every third Friday on Lift Your Spirits Radio at 8 a.m. for the Sustainability Sessions with host Rebecca Sayer. Learn from and be inspired by local leaders, thinkers, and problem solvers who are tackling the sustainable living questions through invention, collaboration, and hard work. This lively and thought-provoking show focuses on tangible, practical measures that we can all take to reduce our carbon footprint and rethink how we relate to the resources of our natural world. Don't forget, that's the Sustainability Sessions with host Rebecca Sayer every third Friday on Lift Your Spirits Radio at 8 a.m. Broaden your horizons. You'll be amazed at all the topics we cover on Alternative Talk 1150. Cherish this. 
Good morning out there. Welcome back to anybody who's been listening thus far. I am uh, your host, Rebecca Sayre, and I am uh, with my guest, Matthew Hepner, who is the executive director of the Certified Electrical Workers of Washington. He's also a city council member uh, in East Wenatchee. It's a busy guy. I believe that you're a father, too. I don't know. I don't know when you sleep, Um, (laughs) but I'm really glad to have you here. And Matthew is talking today with us about something that I think is so important and so hopeful, which we need those things right now, um, about the new uh, energy grid that is being developed. Um, It is being debated right now uh, in the national infrastructure bill about how we're going to electrify aspects of that are about how we're going to electrify our country. But we're doing such great work here in Washington as well. finding different ways to plug in wind, solar, biomass, storage, and other key things into our energy grid to get us off of fossil fuels and move us towards a cleaner energy future, because Lord knows we need it now. Um, You were just talking about energy storage, Matthew, and you were just talking about um, a project in Goldendale. Can you highlight a couple of other really great, since most of our listeners are in the Puget Sound area, Washington-based projects that folks should be aware of? Yeah, um, we're looking at a project. So I'm kind of proud of this one. It's in East Wenatchee. Uh, It's the Badger Mountain Pump Storage. Uh, It's half the size of Goldendale, so it's 500 megawatts. Um, You know, so that one's being considered right now, uh, as well as uh, Columbia Basin Hydro near Electric City uh, and Grand Coulee Dam. And that will be utilizing irrigation water from Banks Lake, uh, which is an irrigation lake. So an irrigation reservoir uh, that was built down built out during the New Deal. So kind of utilizing our resources uh, there. Um, you know, another one I think we really need that we're not capitalizing enough on is utilizing the irrigation water systems. Mm-hmm. So, you know, our view of it is if you ever have, if you have kinetic energy, you have a way to generate electricity. So like that, would, mm-hmm. like wind would be an app, you know, one of those sources. Uh, but utilizing our irrigation canals in the future, I think, would be another great way to really kind of build out uh, environmentally friendly ways uh, that <laughs> don't impact salmon. Uh, that's important to us. And Amen. That's, yeah, that'd be, that's when we talk about uh, renewable energy. That's that's a key part of it here in the Northwest. Yep. So, um, but there are definitely a lot of strategies that are coming to bear uh, now that we definitely want to capitalize on. Um, but with the passage of, you know, CETA and the Clean Energy Transformation Act, one of the things it Which is just for people who just tuned in, CETA, Clean Energy Transformation Act, is uh, some really key, just key legislation, landmark legislation that was passed last session. I'm sorry, was it last session or? Uh, 2019, last session we passed the low carbon fuel standard. Yes. Um, and we, in, there in the also, state of Washington, yeah. Correct. And also the uh, Climate Commitment Act. But what each of those policies do, and they are groundbreaking environmental policies. Uh, we work hand in hand with Climate Solutions, Sierra Club, you know, and other uh, Audubon, other NGOs as well. Uh, but they compel us to build. We have, so we are so far down the climate, uh, the climate destruction path right now that we have to build. That bottom line, we've got to build our way out of the situation mm-hmm. we dug ourselves into. So, and we have to build responsibly, ethically, uh, environmentally, and equitably. 
Yeah. So. Now, now is the time to use all these lessons that we've learned over the last 100, 200 years about how to how to have, I was just saying at the break, you know, these sort of close the loop. And, and I was saying there's no waste in nature, but I think that also, so we don't want to waste energy, but we also want to be respectful of our communities, mm-hmm. of the workers, of, of everybody. We're, we've, we've learned how to integrate this stuff and learned to work at the intersectionality of these things. So what you're talking about here is, is, is hitting those intersectionalities, which is very exciting. Yes. You know, and you know, what are those intersectionalities? I mean, if we're talking, there are wage discrepancies between the genders and it's yep. complete BS and it shouldn't be that way. And that's one thing I think uh, the labor movement has, you know, really dealt with perfectly and is that a collectively bargained agreement when you have a journeyman wire woman and a journey journeyman wireman, they get paid exactly the same. Every worker does that's that shared benefit. So, if you're a woman in the trades, you know, and we'd love the more women we can get in the trades, the better. Um, they all we all get paid the same. So and it's a very, very friendly family wage. Uh, I mean, our our guys are making well over six figures. So, I mean, it's a, it's a hell of a time to be in the trades right now. Yeah, and gals. Yes, everybody. <laughs> sorry. <laughs> That's hard. Uh, all, all these... they're, they're they're banking out, too. So, you know, and it's all that way in all the trades from the laborers to the operators to the iron workers, you know, you name the trade, uh, they're going to have that same collectively bargained agreement where all those members are being able to get paid the same way. Oh, I mean, I can tell you that the the direct effects working in real estate right now that it's just so hard to get people get people scheduled to do do the electric work or do the construction work because there's just not enough folks i mean people yeah. are just there the, the demand is huge so you know and, and getting people involved in the trades at a young age uh you know is incredibly important uh we are trying to work with school districts ospi um there is a great well, group, is uh, off, there. the office of public construction awesome thank you so and you know there's a, a great organization called a new uh, which does a lot of work it's called pre-apprenticeship so the things you need to, uh, it's a lot of it for kids coming out of high school. It's a lot of the skills you need to learn basically to survive on a construction job, um, mm-hmm. you know, before you actually enter the trade. Um, and they do a lot of really, really good work in diversity mm-hmm. and getting the BIPOC communities involved in the trades as well. This is a pathway to the middle class. And that pathway needs to be available to all. Amen. Well, I think. Yeah. And again, how we got into this and talking about the values of the trades is this great legislation that has been worked through collaboratively with the environmental BIPOC communities, labor communities, and a huge coalition that I'm not, that's only a small section of folks I know who've been working on this stuff. Tell us a little bit more about um, uh, the uh, bills that passed last year, last session. So last year, I think one of the the bigger bills that that passed uh, that was um, controversial. Um, any environmental bills can be controversial. So that's, yeah. that's just the way it is. Um, For now. Was, was the low carbon fuel standard. Mm-hmm. And we like the low carbon fuel standard because we feel that it will create new jobs and new, new builds. So basically new projects. And we've actually lost some projects in Washington state uh, due to permitting that were uh, 
part of this LCFS. So the low carbon fuel standard, ultimately what it does is the transportation fuel that we have is all fossil fuel oriented. This takes, you know, percentages of that out, um, you know, incremental, I think it's up to 15 or 20%, uh, you know, within a few years, uh, like a decade or so, will be made from renewable resources. So biofuels is, is what we want to do. And we want to refine those biofuels here. Uh, I mean, mainly biomass is, is what you're talking about here in Washington. Correct. So, yeah, I mean, so, so for gas, for fuel itself, uh, we do have one or two projects right now that are making biofuel. Uh, BP did a tallow facility up, up north. Mm. Um, there's also one out in Grace Harbor, Hoquiam area. Um, but I mean, it, we could be making aviation biofuels. And I think there's a project that's being considered in the Hoquiam area for that as well. Um, you know, these are, are good projects that are really going to wean us away from fossil fuels. So being able to transition away from the, you know, the, mm -hmm. the fossil fuels and get into a renewable resource is going to benefit all Washingtonians, including the trade. So because then we get to start building those biofuel refineries. But we have to get those projects permitted, boots on the ground, shovels in the dirt. So, very, very exciting stuff. And could you speak a little bit more to, again, just putting this in current context, as, as uh, I saw Marina Jayapal speaking about the infrastructure bill on CNN last night, um, that you are, the labor in Washington is in, in, in discussion with the Biden administration about the national infrastructure bill. And, and what are the things that are being talked about that, that mirrors what we've done in Washington and that they're considering in the other Washington? So at the at the federal level, uh, there is a sign on letter going now to our congressional delegation, and we are asking for high speed rail from uh, Vancouver, B.C. all the way to Portland, Oregon. So the Cascadia yeah. rail. So that would be a huge. I mean, that's a huge jobs project. Mm -hmm. uh, that's I mean, and then there's the operational jobs that will come with it. Um, you know, I grew up uh, in Covington, Kent area. And when the sounder came through Kent, uh, you have Kent Station that was built out mm -hmm. and you know, I mean, that was a huge economic boon to the to the valley. Mm -hmm. um, and, you know, we think with the Cascadia Rail, you know, from B.C. to Portland, that would be huge for not only our workers, but every every worker that will be able to commute. Absolutely. And, and the, the climate impact and the, the quality of life impact of having that rail system here between between these, you know, two two nations, let alone. The, correct, Vancouver, BC is what we're talking about. To yeah. Portland. So um, we're also asking. For, so repeat yourself. Oh, that would that would just be the impacts of that climate-wise, economy-wise, equalizing-wise would just be extraordinary across mm -hmm. the board. Exactly, and you know, building on that as well is, um, and in the the Biden package, we need to look at the grid and transmission lines. So. You know, we are all for, you know, electri electrification, electrifying things. But we've got also, if we're ready to do that, we want to do that, but we got to upgrade the grid to, to be able to handle that load. Okay. So, so if there's going to be more energy demand from a city, the transmission lines that are going into that city also need to be larger. So they, you know, the wires can only carry so much capacity, have so much energy, you know, it's rated at 130%. Uh, so we will actually have to increase the size of the wires on those transmission lines, as well as the transformers, 
before that electricity goes into businesses and houses. So we gotta, it's it's a it's a big task, but we are uh, we are up to do the work, and we'd love I mean we'd love your hands on the job. I think that it's yeah, and again this is this is an exciting opportunity because we we're at a point where infrastructure in cities throughout the country, throughout the world, are are, are failing. So we need to change infrastructure anyways. Mm-hmm. Climate change is upon us, so let's. This is, you know, necessity is the mother of invention. And one of the things um, that I also was thinking about when we spoke the other day is you're just talking about we are at this point, good, bad, or otherwise, we, it's a point where we're creating things. We don't know all the solutions yet. We're figuring them out. I mean, they're, they're kind of just coming up. But the more we work, the more we know. Would you say that's, that's accurate? Like we're just, we're learning different sources, different strategies constantly. Agreed. Yeah. And we're, you know, we don't say one type of energy is is better than another um our our view of it is we're going to throw everything in the kitchen sink at it so wind solar nuke hydro storage this that the other thing so we're gonna do it all and figure out you know what the perfect combination is so you know each area has different demands uh here in washington state we are blessed with a geography that allows us to use dozens of different types of energy, whether it be hydroelectric or uh, pump storage, where you need, you know, severe elevation changes, which we have due to the- what, what, what is pump storage? Pump storage is like Golden Dale. Okay. So that's how we, that's how pump storage is defined. Um, okay. um, so that's the, the, the big, huge, massive kinetic batteries. Um, you know, the rivers, uh, we also have, uh, geothermal. Uh, Iceland yeah. has done a lot of amazing work in, in geothermal. Uh, we have volcanoes to do it here, but finding ways for it to pencil out um, has been the issue so far. Okay. But I think we we still have that capability where, you know, other states don't have volcanoes. Uh, they don't have the mountains and the rivers. Uh, they we also need to address their- We've got plenty of those. So. Tell us, tell us, um... I mean, again, how how generally would geothermal work? Work. I mean, I get the concept, but how do you get that steam heat from our volcanoes into our power grid? How does how does that happen? So basically, it would be using the earth as your thermal generation to create the steam. The steam cre- turns the turbines. Turbines generate the electricity. Uh, the electricity is carried away on the grid. So that's kind of how that mousetrap works. So it's a way to uh, create heat um, and move move the electrons along. Mm-hmm. So. And then part of this, of course, on the other side of it is, um, and this is something that we work a, a lot with our clients on, is conservation. I mean, we just just as 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 the more efficient we work, the more the less the less energy we actually apply in our homes in our, in our living environment. Um, that makes everything more efficient. Um, you know, we want to we want to reduce energy escaping from the home. We want to apply wind, solar, green infrastructure, all those technologies in our built environment as well. That is also a dovetail part of that. I don't know if you, you've had mm-hmm. any experience with the kind of intersection of those conversations. Right. I mean, and efficiency has really gone a long way and we still oh, have yeah. a lot more to do on efficiencies, uh, you know, more efficient stoves, ovens, etc. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I think the windows, you know, is, is another great way uh, to do that, LED lighting, you know, has been a a saving grace as far as energy expenditures. 
converts everything to a DC uh, direct current. Um, so then they create a lot less heat, mm -hmm. which is also beneficial, um, especially in city and urban environments. So there is a lot of efficiency works we can do. And that's something you can do at home. Uh, if yeah. you haven't already transitioned to LEDs, um, you know, with rising cost of electricity, LEDs are a saving grace. And then they last forever. Yep. It's just, so. it, it, make, it makes life easier. So again, all these things that we're doing, we're just like, I, as I talk to people, it's like this just a matter of we're learning more and we're up leveling all the time. We don't want to stick to the technologies that we learned in the 1850s. Mm -hmm. We know so much more than we knew at that time. So let's just apply all, all the things that we can do, including, again, my favorite technology, um, the most tried and true that we have is trees. Is the more trees we plant, the more trees we keep in the ground, the more trees we grow in our urban spaces, captures carbon, yeah. keeps you know, it cool. Makes us so, you know, and that was something, you know, I was, we were actually able to do uh, on on city council was uh, to be a Arbor Day city. So, you know, to be one of the tree cities. So, you know, the more cities we have in Washington that are planting trees in that urban environment, it decreases the temperatures, um, you know, and it beautifies the area as well. So, um, you know, but looking at the forests, forest management is important uh, to the forests. Um, you know, recently I got to spend some time up on the uh, Colville uh, Indian Reservation, uh, the Colville Nation, and their forest man uh, management practices are absolutely incredible. So, awesome. you know, what? I'm just looking at the time, and we need to go to break. I want to hear. I want to want to hear about that because it's so pertinent right now. But let's go to break. I'm talking with Matthew uh, Hepner of the. Uh, International Brotherhood of Electrical Workers and uh, East Wenatchee City Council. Uh, this is the sustainability sessions. This is part of Lift Your Spirits Radio. Um, thanks so much out there for listening, and we will be back in a second. In these changing times, it's the perfect opportunity to learn new techniques that can bring calm back into your being. If you are ready to love living life, read Marla Williams' new book, The Being Zone. It will become your guidebook for creating the life you always dreamed of. Learn more about her book and online training program at thebeingzone.com. I invite you to tune into Lift Your Spirits Radio on the first Friday of the month for Love Living Life with Marla Williams. Call in for free coaching advice that is guaranteed to lift your spirits. Are you looking for a realtor? Rebecca Sayer from Infinity Real Estate and Development in Seattle is a real estate broker with a passion for helping people with an enjoyable and successful home buying experience. Infinity is focused on empowering positive futures for each of our clients as well as the community. With a deep local knowledge in green and sustainable properties and housing models, Rebecca is committed to connecting people with the right property. She can help you access a home that will increase your quality of life, reduce electromagnetic and toxic product exposure, plus your carbon footprint. Rebecca serves on the Northwest Eco Building Guild's Education Committee, where she is helping develop a series of courses for people who have an interest in living more sustainably, be it in a home or an apartment, through classes that share the tricks, tools, and resources available. To connect with an agent that serves you and your community, reach out to Rebecca at Rebecca at InfinityRed.com today. Are you planning your next move? 
We know it can be stressful, but at a swift move, you can relax and leave the work to us. You can put your mind at ease that your personal items will be safe throughout the entire moving process. To get a free quote from licensed professionals so you can compare and save, call us at 425-309-0577. That's 425-309-0577. So make your next move a swift one and give us a call. Lift your spirits with us every Friday at 8 a.m. to 9 a.m. on 1150 AM KKNW Seattle. We will be introducing you to fascinating people, fun places to visit, and activities are guaranteed to lift your spirits. Miss a show? No worries. You can visit 1150kknw.com and click on our archive page or like Lift Your Spirits with Dina Marie on Facebook for upcoming guests and events. To contact me, Dina Marie, visit dina-marie.com. Thank you so much for listening. Get your daily dose of variety. Alternative Talk, 1150. Good morning out there. This is the Sustainability Sessions. I'm your host, Rebecca Sayre. Uh, this is part of Lift Your Spirits Radio with Dina, uh, from Dina Marie. And our uh, guest today is Matthew Hepner. He is with the International Brotherhood of Electrical Workers. He is the, um, I'm doing an absolutely horrible job of um, repeating your, your title, Matthew. Could you tell me again one more time your job title? Executive Director of the Certified Electrical Workers of Washington. Thank you so much. He's also a city council person uh, with the city of East Wenatchee. And we're talking today about such a timely and pertinent issue of how the heck we are going to get our way into a, creating a system that weans us off fossil fuels and helps us fight climate change uh, for real. And we're talking about ways that in the state of Washington, thanks to coalition efforts between environmentalists, community groups, labor, whole bunches of other folks, some really groundbreaking legislation is being put together that is helping us build a clean new energy grid that's gonna create living wage jobs, equity, help protect the environment. It's pretty great. Um, but we also, what we were just talking about is such a timely issue is the issue of forest management. Because again, all of this stuff ties together. Matthew's coming to us from East Wenatchee that is currently on, it's burning. So um, you had just been out to the Colville Reservation and you did yeah. some really interesting stuff. Could you share that? Yeah, no, I mean, just they're, they are able to do a lot of logging out there and, you know, driving through the area, every, where they, where they have logged, it's still a forest. I mm -hmm. mean, it's not this clear cut nonsense. I mean, it is right, right. some of the, you know, the most responsible um, forest management practices I've ever seen. It's still gorgeous, uh, you know, still incredibly wild. Um, and I think there is a lot we can learn from from that and their, and their practices there. So. I, I agree. And it's so much of this, like, and, it, and it, this, I'm glad you're bringing this up because I think this is such it's an important, but such a controversial topic now is that the native peoples of our region from down to down to Oregon up to British Columbia have done selective thinning for millennia. Mm -hmm. um, I had a conversation with some tribal members um, 
uh, along the Klamath a couple years ago when it was we were rafting and, and it had been burning and they uh, were expressing great frustration about how you know for for generations they would log to thin the trees to help bring it and actually and occasionally do some prescribed burning and that actually cooled the rivers brought in the fish helped reduce the fuel and kept the ecosystem intact so there's a lot of knowledge about that um, practice from our, our tribal community members in the state of Washington we could we should apply that Agreed. And, you know, I think Washington State has, you know, a storied tradition of, you know, the logging industry really built the Seattle area. Mm -hmm. um, now, if we had a chance to, to, if we could go back in time and have a redo, you know, and log, you know, sustainably, you know, harvest that timber, you know, what would it have looked like? Mm -hmm. um, is there, and there, there were, we lost a lot of jobs in Washington. I think Southwest Washington is a good example of a industry that was definitely hurt. Um, but how do we, how, what is the, you know, the question is really, how do we have our cake and eat it too? How can well, we have beautiful forests? How can we have jobs in an economy? And how can we produce, you know, and manufacture, uh, you know, wood products, which is, you know, one of our Washington state's uh, greatest resources. And how do we do that, you know, for generations to come? Well, yeah, I, that's yeah, really yeah. one of the questions. I think if we, we tap into the people who've done it for tens of thousands right. of years and the knowledge that they have of this region, they, they that's, so, yeah, I, that's I, one of the things that I think is so crucial. So, I mean, the manufacturing piece, I think, is the question. Currently, right now, a lot of the timber is just sent overseas to hmm. be manufactured in China, which doesn't have any environmental protections right. or, you know, they're not doing it responsibly like we could be doing it here. So I think that's something we're going to want to look at into the future. So I don't think there's any any plans on. It's not on the on the front burner at the moment, but I th it's one of those things we would really like to elevate. So bring the old jobs back, uh, and you know, doing it in a equitable and responsible manner. So I think yeah, I think that's a really interesting discussion to put back on that put back on the table here. Um, in our last ten minutes, as, as is always the case, these shows go quicker than you think they're going to. Let's talk about um, electric vehicles. Oh, we love electric vehicles. So I'm a, a huge proponent of electric vehicles. Um, I'm electrical. There's a, a training program called EVITP, Electrical Vehicle Infrastructure Training Program, uh, that we are pushing, you know, in Washington State, California, uh, you know, mandated this training as well. Um, I've taken the class. Uh, I've installed charging stations from Moses Lake up to the Canadian border. Um, so with my own two hands, so I so EV for me is definitely a uh, a big opportunity. Um, it's something I believe in. I love the electric vehicles. Uh, they're quiet. They're, they're quiet. They're efficient. Um, definitely excited about the new technologies coming out of there. Um, and we have a good footprint for the manufacturing of them. Uh, SGL uh, is a facility in Moses Lake, uh, which is uh, powered purely by uh, you know, carbon-free resources that makes the the panels for the vehicle. So mm -hmm. uh, BMW, I think, is one of the vehicles that they're currently making the the panels for. Uh, I I turned tools on that project myself. Um, but, That's exciting. I mean, yeah, and as you're know, just saying, I own I own one of those cars, which I love, a BMW mm -hmm. i3, which is a, a little coupe. And I knew that they were produced in a sustainable manner. I did not realize they were produced right here in Washington State in Moses Lake. And that's so exciting, yeah. at least those, those panels. Yes, I mean, and so 
you know, that's a, a great project for, for Washington, you know, the people that work there as well. Um, you know, that's an investment in a rural community. Uh, we definitely want to see those grow. Um, but the, uh, you know, we did have some, some great bills uh, regarding EVs uh, and ZEV, a zero emission vehicle uh, type, uh, type bills. Um, you know, one of the problems that the EV charging infrastructure has faced is if you roll up to a charging station and A, you don't have the right kind of car, uh, sometimes you can't plug in unless you have an adapter. And if you forget your adapter, you're out of luck. Um, yep had that experience it's, it's not that bad in our state but it definitely takes a right. little bit of thinking currently to make sure so, you're going to the right spot exactly and then all the charging networks have their own system so mm -hmm. uh you know having to to wait and it's called we call it interoper interoperability the charging experience of charging your vehicle needs to be the same as going to any gas station and pumping gas imagine going to only being able to go to a shell gas station or a a mm -hmm. Arco or a Chevron or a Phillips 66 gas station. And that was the only gas station you could use. That would not fly. And we need to be able to get the EV chart. And that's how it is in EV charging station right now. Uh, we really want to be able to get that any vehicle, any charging station, anytime. And the prices need to be clear and defined. Hallelujah. <laughs> you know, not, none of this, you know, surprise billing stuff. It'd be like, it needs to say on there, it is, you know, three dollars per kilowatt type of thing or whatever the you know the going rate is going to be that would actually be a really charge <laughs> um, but you know so getting that charging infrastructure you know ironed out uh northwest energy coalition did a did a great bill this year on interoperability that did pass um and there's still work to be done and we're excited to be a part of it um you know our two cents on installing these and building that infrastructure out is a huge jobs opportunity for the IBW members uh, and electricians throughout the nation. Uh, the Biden administration is pushing for 500,000 charging stations, um, you know, throughout throughout the country. So that I mean, that's a, a great way to start um, that that training the EVITP, everyone needs to be on the on the same page at the same time. Uh, if you remember some of the the earlier rollouts, uh, it was not, it was not good. Uh, and we need to uh, avoid, you know, those earlier catastrophes on the, the rolling out of the charging infrastructure. And EVITP is a solid way of getting that infrastructure installed and built to code. Um, and everybody's doing it the same way. It's a safety issue. Uh, it's a consumer reliability issue. And it's one of the things we're going to be championing next session. All right. Well, that's. I think that 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 is so exciting and practical and pragmatic. Again, one of the things that I always try to do with this program, and we try to do it infinity with our real estate business, is providing people with practical, tangible, realistic ways that they can live more sustainably on the planet. People people want to do this stuff. It's just got to be. We're all living our lives, and so being able to drive your car. Do your, you know, do your work and be able to charge your car up in a in a reasonable manner. I think it would have such just a huge day to day impact on on the adaption and adoption of uh, electric vehicles. Great. So, and I'm personally, I can't wait for the uh, electric trucks to roll out. So. Oh my gosh! What? So that's, that's, what do you that's know what, on that front? So I'm, uh, I have a. An old Chevy, 
Uh, I love it. Uh, it's dependable. It's still rolling. Um, but I can't wait for the EV trucks. That's what I'm, I'm saving my money for is, <laughs> you know, one of the uh, Ford F-150s uh, EV model. Again, so, practical, reliable, helps you do what you got to do and, and get you there. That's that's what we need for this to you know, and, the, and, and currently, I mean, and you get great parking opportunities as well. So, yeah, so for sure. To, to charge, yeah, the EV charging stations are in a great spot. Yeah, I mean, they are legit. The parking lot. So, and the Very more that we good. have, the better. So. All right. Well, we're winding down here to our last few minutes, Matthew. So, so what would you like uh, to leave our, our listeners with? We've talked about this great energy grid. We're talking about that workers of Washington are helping build this and create it and craft it. What do our listeners, maybe if they just tune in, what do they need to know? Uh, we have a great future in, in front of us, but we have to build it. It's not going to come on its own. So it's not just magically going to appear. It's going to take work. It's going to take effort. Um, and we're going to have to take the responsibility of building the future here in Washington State. Our vision of the future is a green, sustainable, industrial future. And that's the future we're pushing for. And we will continue to advocate and fight for. And we'd love for you to, to join us in those efforts. And just to, if you could throw out, and I apologize for not doing this earlier in the show, a couple of, uh, uh, we talked about a couple of websites for the um, IBEW uh, locals throughout the state, because you're going to be working on legislation, this coming legislative session, you know, so people can stay in touch and understand what's, how they can comment and, and give input. What are, what are a few of those websites that people should know? Yeah, so, so, uh, you know, up north in, you know, the Everett, Everett area, up in the Bellingham area, we have my own local uh, IBW191.com, uh, uh, and they are based in uh, Marysville, uh, the training centers <coughs> in Mount Vernon. Uh, in the Tacoma, Pierce County area, we have IBW76, and that's at IBW76.com. Um, in the Seattle area in King County, uh, you know, the crown jewel of, you know, the IBW in Washington is IBW46. <laughs> Um, they are an amazing facility as well. That's IBW46.com. Uh, and the facilities and uh, the training facilities in Renton. And, uh, you know, they're always taking applications. Uh, there's different areas of work, whether it be uh, low voltage, high voltage, uh, you know, the 01 residential, uh, you know, commercial. Uh, so there's a lot of opportunities uh, to get involved in the electrical industry. Very exciting. It literally is a very exciting time as we're on the cutting edge of building the new clean energy future here in Washington and setting the groundwork for the rest of the country and hopefully the world because, man, we got to do it. We've got to do it now. I'm looking at the time and we, we are suddenly out. So, again, Matthew Hepner, uh, thank you so much for joining us, uh, working uh, with the IBEW in the state of Washington. Tell me your title one more time. Executive, Executive Director of the Certified Electrical Workers of Washington. Thank you so much. I appreciate all your leadership on this issue uh, throughout the years and right now. Stay safe out there in East Wenatchee. And thank you all for listening to the sustainability sessions. This is part of Lift Your Spirits Radio. I'm your host, Rebecca Sayre. Everybody out, out there, stay safe. Take care of each other. Thank you. This day is done.